Welcome to our message for January 1st, 2023. It's the first Sunday of the new year and the second Sunday of Christmas. Our text for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born, King of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was, has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in the east, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you never come into our lives as a neutral figure. You are either a promise or a threat, depending on the state of our hearts. Lord, I pray today that we might believe in the promise of peace and love and joy in your kingdom and learn to follow you. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts may be acceptable in your sight. The Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. The child in Bethlehem was both a promise and a threat, depending on who you ask. When the Magi saw him, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They saw the promise of a new king of the Jews. They recognized in the star that God was doing something new in the world. They honored it with their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They weren't the only ones to see the promise of the Christ child. Uh, in Luke's account of the story, on, when Jesus was eight days old, his parents took him to the temple to dedicate him, and there they met Simeon and Anna, who saw in him the hope of the coming Messiah. Both Simeon and Anna rejoiced at his arrival. Both prophesied that he would be the salvation of Israel. They saw the promise of the Christ child, and then they died in peace. We see that same kind of hope in Zacchaeus, the tiny tax collector. Now, Zacchaeus was a wealthy tax collector, which means automatically that he was a thief. He became wealthy by stealing as much money as he could from the people from whom he collected taxes. And so this little thief was hated in his community. He was ostracized, but yet he heard Jesus was coming by and he had hope. He had hope that somehow just catching a glimpse of this famous itinerant preacher might mean something special to him. So he climbed the sycamore tree hoping to catch a glimpse as, as Jesus walked by. Jesus stopped and called him down and said, Zacchaeus, we're going to your house for lunch today. And Zacchaeus discovered the promise of the Messiah when Jesus went to his house for lunch. And so for the outcast, the hated Zacchaeus, 
he discovers love as he dines with Jesus. He promises to give away half of all of his wealth and to repay what he's stolen four times. Then on Palm Sunday, we see the promise of Messiah spilled out into the streets of Jerusalem as the crowds came out and chanted, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Almost everyone who was oppressed saw Jesus as a promise for a better life. If you were hurting in the first century, you looked at Jesus with hope and with promise. He was the Savior for you. But where some saw a promise, others saw a threat. King Herod definitely did not want the competition. It's odd that the Magi even stopped in Jerusalem anyway. They were following the star for weeks, and then they quit following the star and take a pit stop in Jerusalem to talk with the king before following the star the rest of the way to Bethlehem. But Herod would not tolerate any threat to his power. Even the threat of a tiny child becoming king was something that he could not live with. So he made a promise to pay homage to the new king, but in reality we learn that his promise was a threat. He promised to pay homage, but in reality he was going to destroy the threat that it posed to his power. When the Magi didn't provide Jesus' location, Herod committed infanticide to eliminate the threat to his power. All of the male children in Bethlehem that were two years and younger were murdered to protect power because Herod saw Jesus as threat. And he wasn't the only one. Later in life, Jesus continued to be a threat. The religious leaders saw Jesus as a threat. Because of his power, he had the power to, to not only heal, but to forgive sins. And both of those challenged him. They said, oh, he's casting out demons by the power of Beelzebul was their argument. They wanted to downplay his power because it threatened their authority as religious leaders. They were threatened by his popularity. The crowds were coming and listening to him. He was getting more people to listen to his sermons than the synagogue leaders were their sermons. And and trust me, in, in this line of work, jealousy can creep up sometimes. And, and they became uh, envious of the crowds that wanted to hear Jesus. So they saw him as a threat. And they were threatened because he broke religious law. He was doing these wonderful miracles and attracting crowds. And all the while, he was disregarding laws about healing on the Sabbath or about gathering grain on the Sabbath. Uh, over and over again, he broke religious law. And the religious folks just couldn't stand for it. The rich and the powerful perceived Jesus as a threat as well. You know, they had a racket set up making all sorts of money in the temple courts, uh, exchanging money and selling livestock for sacrifice. Jesus put an end to that when he flipped the money changers' tables and he drove the money changers out of the temple. The rich and the powerful didn't want him messing with their bottom line. Do we ever? Do we ever really want God to mess with our bottom lines? Almost everyone who benefited from position or privilege, saw Jesus as a threat. Now, for those of us in our culture that live in the richest nation to ever exist, those of us that are blessed with abundant position and privilege, we should be aware that people like us have always seen Jesus as a threat. In Paul's preaching, we continue to see Jesus as both promise and threat. 
Paul's preaching almost always led to revival and riots. Now, I'm not talking about it different times with different crowds, but the same message in the same town. Paul would preach and some would be baptized and others would plot to kill him. From the same message, the gospel is revolutionary and is almost always controversial. It's hope for some and a stumbling block for others. That's been the story for most of history. But how about now? One of my greatest fears is that our message will become irrelevant and insignificant to the world around us. Even to those of us who claim to believe, I'm fearful that our message may be anemic, that we may be proclaiming a wimpy gospel into the world around us. Do we have the faith and the power of Christ to produce peace, love, and redemption in our time? Do we really believe that? Are they just nice words we say on Sunday morning? Do we believe that that the church is a force for peace in the world that is more powerful than the forces for war? Do we believe that? Peace on earth, are those just nice words for our Christmas cards? Or is it our God-given mission? Are our membership vows worth the sacrifice that they require? Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness? Reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? Those are powerful statements, and we made those to join the church, but do we believe them? Are we willing to live by them? Do we take the message of Christ seriously enough that it threatens our lifestyles? One-fourth of the children in Alabama struggle with food insecurity. One out of every four children in our state struggles with food insecurity. How can the Bible Belt allow that kind of injustice? In a, in a state, in a community where there seems to be churches on every corner, how in the world are there hungry children what would we be willing to sacrifice to correct it? Does our message mean anything anymore? We gather at the table this Sunday morning. We remember Jesus' sacrifice. He humbled himself to the point of death on a cross so that we could have nice gatherings on Sunday mornings. Really? Is what we do on Sunday morning the, the sufficient cause for the life and death of the Son of God? This meal reminds us that we're invited to something that matters. We are being included in a new kingdom where love is the law and where all oppression must cease. I pray that we will choose the promise of the Christ child. I pray that we will allow his calling to change everything about our lives. Amen.